Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. You know, sin is never happy unless and until it gains full control because sin's ongoing and ultimate desire is to be catered to as God. Now, to that end, it must eventually gain control of the entire person it lives within and then reaches to others beyond itself once that's accomplished. Now, when you get a whole group of people who are controlled by sin and self, together they seek to control all other people. It's what happens when sin seeks to gain dominance, and we see a perfect example of that with Nimrod, Genesis 11. But let's take a minute or two and go way back to the beginning, and then come forward to today and tomorrow, which is in the very near future, it seems. Now, sometime after God had finished his creation, one of his chief angels, Lucifer, chose to follow self and rebel against God to go his own way. And as I've mentioned before, Satan promised himself that in the process he would become, quote, like the Most High, Isaiah 14, 14. Well, this goes back to the very beginning following God's creative efforts, and it also clearly happened after God had declared that his entire creation was good. So Satan had not fallen at that point. However, God also knew the risks of creating beings with a will to choose their own direction. So Lucifer fell and became known as Satan, Belial, the devil. Not content to simply having a permanent falling out from God, Satan desired to be like or equal to God, which ostensibly meant that Satan would come to a point where he would literally be a threat to God in who ruled God's creation. Well, since then, Satan has been trying everything he could to destroy God, to prove him to be a liar, and to essentially overthrow God, ultimately replacing him. Fortunately, we know how the story finally ends, and even though we must deal with the often terrible ramifications of sin and Satan's efforts to control this world, we know that Satan's days are numbered. However, it wasn't just Satan who fell and immediately sought to rule the world. According to the Bible, along with the book of Enoch, the book of Giants, and the book of Jasher, other angelic beings followed in Satan's footsteps. They apparently were not fully enamored with living within the perfection of God's realm. Can you imagine that? These angelic beings chose to venture out on their own and for their own purposes. Now, the Bible speaks of fallen angels in Genesis 6 as one example, who came to this earth and found a way to mate with daughters of men, women. This fall of those angelic beings and their cohabitation with women resulted in giants, or Nephilim, being born on the earth. Now, this created huge problems for humanity. Adam and Eve had already sinned as Satan had sinned and allowed the earth to become corrupted because of their sin, which passed on to every human being born either directly by Eve or all of her offspring. And we read more about that in Romans 5, 12 through 21 from Paul's perspective. However, what the angelic beings did furthered the corruption throughout creation far more quickly. When those particular angels fell in Genesis 6 and took up somehow with human women, sin already existed. However, 
Notice immediately after the giants, the Nephilim, were born, the earth exploded with wickedness. Here's Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Hmm. Well, the text seems to imply that it was the birth of the giants, Nephilim, that made everything far worse than it had been prior. All people, including Nephilim, I guess a hybrid person, living on the earth, pushed the degree of evil and corruption to the extreme. Now, the book of Enoch takes pains to explain exactly what happened. And again, that book is not to be considered authoritative or inspired as scripture is authoritative inspired. And there's a great deal of disagreement over whether it's even genuinely written by the Enoch. I think it's a very good possibility that it is authentic, mainly because of the fact that it is either quoted or referred to in scripture several times by different authors. Now, I tend to treat the book of Enoch like a good factual history book, recording details of people and events and flushing things out a bit more for us. At the very least, it's an interesting read. So according to the book of of Enoch and other books of antiquity, the first angel to come to earth to do his own thing was an angel named Azazel, who seemed to want his own little kingdom on earth. So he fell to earth for the express purposes of going off somewhere by himself and trying to create things in his own image. In essence, he took a wife or wives, found a way to impregnate or genetically modify so that the wives would give birth to beings after the likeness of Azazel. And he also is said to have genetically modified some of the animals by crossbreeding things to create completely new animals. Now, granted, unlike God who created ex nihilo, or from nothing, Azazel had to use what already existed. Is this where we get some of the mythology within many cultures that talk about, for instance, a Pegasus, a centaur, um, satyr, or whatever? Many other mythological creatures are also mentioned as well. So where'd they come from? Somebody's imagination solely? We'll likely never know in this life. However, it's clear that God did not save every species of animal in the ark with Noah, did he? I doubt it. He saved only certain animals. Why? Oh, and by the way, in the complete Jewish Bible version of Leviticus 16, verses 7 through 10, Azazel is mentioned. Here it says, Aaron is to take two goats and place them before Adonai at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron is to present the goat whose lot fell to Adonai and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat whose lot fell to Azazel is to be presented alive to Adonai to be used for making atonement over it by sending it away into the desert for Azazel. And again, that's verses 7 through 10 of Leviticus 16. So that's all interesting, I, I find. And, and the ESV also uses the name Azazel in the text. The NIV simply uses the term scapegoat, which is likely what Azazel means. So Azazel came to the earth, or fell, and endeavored to create his own little kingdom after his own likeness. 
Again, sin seeks to control and to be at the top of the chain so that it becomes the object of worship, ultimately. This is simply the way sin works. And it works this way in all human beings and certainly also in those angelic beings who rebelled against God and sinned. Now, don't forget, aside from Azazel, the 200 watchers or angels who came after Azazel, Satan also managed to convince one-third of the angelic host to follow him in his rebellion. We can read about that in Revelation 12, 3-4. That is the risk of creating beings with a free will. They will always choose against God and for themselves. Always. Confer 1 Timothy 5.21. Now, of course, God knew this. But since angels are not made in God's image, there is no salvation available for them once fallen. Isn't it wonderful that God had the foresight to create human beings in his image, thereby making us salvageable from sin via Christ's life, death, and resurrection and faith in that work? So after Azazel, 200 other angels, or the uh, Book of Enoch calls them watchers, they also came down to earth. They were originally tasked, apparently, with simply watching and recording what humanity did. But instead, they chose to become intimately involved in humanity's affairs after seeing Azazel do what he did without any repercussions from God up to that point. So in the book of Enoch, chapters 6 through 16, we read of how the watchers descended, chapter 6, how giants were born to the women they took as wives, chapter 7, and how they taught humanity all sorts of things they probably should not have taught them, chapter 8. Now, these were not necessarily bad things. However, the emphasis and use of those things were wrong. So in the book of Enoch, chapter 8, we learn Azazel taught for instance, he taught people how to make swords, knives, shields, and armor from the metals of the earth. He taught the women how to see behind them. And of course, that's a reference to using mirrors. How to make bracelets, ornaments, and other kinds of jewelry using precious stones and the beautifying of the eyes with makeup of various colors. This led them astray into fornication and ungodliness, and they became corrupt in all their ways. That whole thing was a quote from the book of Enoch. And other angels, it tells us, taught other things to people too. So it wasn't simply sin itself that pushed humanity become, to become vile, corrupt, and evil in all their ways. They were pushed along with help from fallen angels who clearly understood how many things worked and passed that information on to human beings. It's not hard to imagine what humans did with the knowledge of weaponry or what women achieved through the use of adornments and makeup. In essence, everything became focused on self completely. Everything turned inward. The more people focused on the inner self, the greater the indecency and wickedness became. The less concern there was for doing things the right way or concern for other human beings. With the help of fallen angels, the downward spiral of fallen human beings became much greater and quicker in a far shorter period of time. It left if it was all left to themselves, humans may have figured out some of these things by themselves, but it likely would have taken many, many generations for that to happen instead of how quickly it did happen. Now, it's similar to the technology we have today. Some group of fallen angels could have simply given that information to humanity, or we had to wait until it could simply and naturally evolve from great minds. 
course, the other alternative is that Satan is eliminating the globalists to do what they're doing. All of humanity is becoming thoroughly corrupted, and there will be no choice except for God to send judgment, which is another word for his wrath, as he did during Noah's day in which he destroyed the contents of the entire earth, except for those in the ark, animals and humans. Now, as Satan sought to gain control of the entire earth, so too did the angels of Genesis 6 seek to control as much as they could, even to the point of having offspring from their own genetic line using human women. The result of this was a unique line of angelic slash human beings, many of whom were truly gigantic in proportion. Now, in the process of that, the pure human genome that God had created was destroyed in that line. Is that coming around again? Well, if we look at some of the anecdotal evidence from Scripture, it suggests to us that, for instance, Og of Bashan was quite possibly about 10 to 12 feet tall based on the measurements of his bed, Deuteronomy 3.11. And the measurements were 13 and a half feet by 6 feet. That's a huge bed. Quote, from uh, Joshua 13, 29 to 30, it says this, Og, king of Bashan, was one of the last of his races of giants. Goliath, the giant who fought David, was likely another. And don't forget, Goliath had a few brothers. Og and his sons all lost their lives in their foolish opposition to God's people, Numbers 21 to 35, or 21:35. pardon me. Despite King Og's great size and strength, God gave Israel's army the victory and they possessed the land of Bashan. The half-tribe of Manasseh inherited Og's territory, Joshua 13, 29 through 30. And that's a quote from um, gotquestions.com. So I've got that link in the transcript as well. So segue to 2024, and what do we have? Well, we have people today who are given and completely over, willingly, to their own sin and the desires that stem from it. Today's globalists who are controlled by Satan's desire to gain mastery over all of society in this earth are doing all they can to also gain control of global society, including messing with the human genome via mRNA science, quote unquote, jabs and other things. Now, annually, the World Economic Forum or WEF meets at Davos to outline ways in which they seek to implement full control over all people and institutions of the globe. And without that, they cannot gain full control. They cannot have what they want. The WEF continues to push for the major reduction or what they call net zero of what it calls harmful CO2 emissions. I mean, this is absolute nonsense, but they soldier on, ignoring any scientist who disagrees with them. Beyond this, they push their CBDCs, which is digital currency, which they admit will make it difficult for the average person to have any privacy, and CBDCs will amount to full control over how we spend our money. That's what they're telling us. That's what the deal is. Why? because they want that control. Moreover, the WEF wants a fusion of machine and man so that human beings can become whatever they want us to become and also destroying in the process the pure human, human genome along the way. Now again, this is essentially what fallen angels of Genesis 6 did 
which I believe is one of the big reasons God had to destroy everyone except Noah and his family. Everything else had been corrupted, completely corrupted genetically. Sin corrupts, and the more sin is obeyed, the greater loss of freedom and ability to seek God until a point of no return is reached. So it's not just that sin corrupts. What the angels did, it seems, is destroyed or corrupted the human genome which made people unsalvageable. They could not receive salvation because they were only part human and part something else. And I believe that's what we're moving toward. We know that the mRNA thing is basically gene therapy. It changes the genes. So once that happens, it's over. We are quickly moving to a point in the future where the exact same situation that existed in Genesis 6 seems like it's going to occur again. Is there any reason to think God would not send his wrath in the form of judgment because of it, as he did thousands of years ago during the days of Noah? Once the human genome is irredeemably corrupted and adulterated, all hope of salvation is gone for that person. And I think this is exactly what it means regarding the coming mark of the beast in Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Anyone taking it means all hope is gone because I believe other than just the fact that it gives the Antichrist ownership, it changes the person's level or humanity at the genetic level. And here's uh, Revelation 14. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath. Now, remember, we're told in the Bible that we are not called to receive God's wrath. We are not going to be recipients of his wrath. Who will receive his wrath? Those who absolutely and continually reject his salvation. And this will be proven once and for all once they take the mark of the beast, because I believe it's going to change their genetic coding somehow. And they will be irredeemable. It is always about control, absolute and total control. And ultimately, it's what uh, sin seeks and too often gains full control, leading people to hell. This is what globalists are pushing for through the who and their goals to fully enslave the entire world through the IHR treaty that the WHO is pushing. And it's frustrated because people are, are frustrated with it. So he's trying to push back and he's lying to us about it. And I, when I say he, I'm talking about Tedros, the WHO director. He's lying about what the treaty will accomplish and what it purports to do. So while Tedros Schwab and other globalists use lies, deception, and subterfuge to allay any fears the world might have of their intentions, it's clear that if nations sign on to the Who's Treaty, they will lose their sovereignty that's built into the treaty. Revelation 13 and 14 will ultimately become a reality with the mark ushering a unique totalitarian global society that few will escape. This is inevitably where sin leads. It destroys freedom, recreates humanity in Satan's image, and gives him full control. Once that goal is reached, the chance of receiving salvation plummets to zero. Well, thanks so much for joining me. And I hope and pray that until we meet again, God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. 
Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 